And welcome to another edition of Eye on Jams Extra, where I am very honored to have with me Miss Cass Clayton out of Colorado, singer-songwriter. She's been on with me several times before, so it's always an honor to visit with her. Cass, welcome to the program, and thank you for taking time out of your evening to be here. Thank you, Tim. I'm so glad to be talking with you again. We've had some really, really interesting conversations. Over the we last have. We, there's, we're going to have to get together just one time. Of course, it'd be nice when COVID is over, we can sit together and do it in person, but yeah. just do like a three-hour interview because I think there's like enough stuff that we could cover in that time. I think so too. We would we would amuse ourselves. If nobody else, we would be down the rabbit hole on something. <laughs> That's for sure. Yes, we would. Yes, we would. For those who do not know much about you, let's kind of start from the beginning. How did you get started in music? What drew you to do this? Well, I mean, it was an unusual thing that happened because I didn't have any music background. My dad was really obsessed with music, especially blues and jazz. So we grew up listening to music and we went to a lot of shows, but I didn't get into music until, you know, I was 45. So when I started and uh, it's been seven years now, so do the math. Um, so You're a brave woman. I know. You know what? I gave up caring about that. I decided not to play that game because I think people should know that it's okay to let some sands fall through the hourglass and it's okay to claim your age. Now we're going to get off on a tangent real quick so soon, but has there been a fear? Because you know, at least here in the U.S., that that ageism, that, that stigma of ageism. And if you reach a certain age and if women reach a certain age that yes. you know, they're no longer, I, I don't want to be cruel, but no longer desirable. No, no, it's, it's, you can say it. Cause I, I'm familiar with the narrative because I fought that narrative both internally and then, you know, hearing, especially if you're in entertainment or in, in music, it's, it's obviously it can be a, a, you know, the death knell to for anybody to know your age even if you're 35 that can be old so you know i decided to not tell not just i never told a lie about my age but i just didn't talk about it and i decided recently that that didn't serve any human on the planet for us to lie about how great we feel after 50. i mean like i am happier i know myself i have something to say in the music I love women who are, you know, young women, old women. I'm not threatened by other beautiful, you know, I'm not threatened by beautiful young girls. I just feel like I'm celebrating life more than I used to. And I think not owning that would be untrue to myself and untrue to other people who, you know, we can live past a hundred now. And I probably, if I have any choice over it, I probably will. And I, you know, I'm healthy plan to be healthy and plan to be around being creative for another 50 years if I get the choice in that. Well, that's great. So you started out in music. You really weren't in music, but you started out in music kind of as a, as a, as a fluke type thing. It was a fluke. And then the flukiest thing of all was that a friend of mine, I, I was a fundraiser and we, we were working on a fundraising project for a nonprofit. His name's Rich Liner, dear friend. And, and I had asked him about his band because it was a, a blues band I liked and I like blues and and I asked him how their band was doing and he said uh, that they had just lost their their lead vocalist who is a, 
a great singer. She had a great voice. And um, I told him about how I used to go to shows with my dad and I noticed that musicians float around and that it's a little bit um, promiscuous in the music world in terms of <laughs> musicians moving from band to band. And he said, well, if you went to all those shows, do you sing? And I said, not in front of people. I, I'm, there's no way I would never sing in front of people. And he, for whatever reason, just kept pressing, but, but can you sing? And, uh, and eventually after a glass of wine, maybe two, probably three, let's just say three, because <laughs> that's probably what really counting. <laughs> it's been a while now, but he convinced me I should audition. And I said, I would. And then the next morning I awakened and I was just, horrified that I told him I would audition and started to think of excuses in my head of how I could get out of it and told my husband about it. And he's like, no, you should do it. You should do it. Cause he heard me singing every day in our house, just walking around singing all the time, every day. He's like, you should do it because you, you could do this. And that was it. I auditioned. That was the end of the story. I never went back. And within two years I was writing our albums and, you know, not doing cover tunes anymore. And the whole world around me and within me changed. So it sounds like you have your husband to blame because he kept encouraging you <laughs> to go to the auditions. Yeah, actually, he even said, you know, if you promised a friend that you would do it, I don't think you should back out. I think you should just bite the bullet and do it, even if you don't want to. His was more about like, it wasn't just about, you know, you should do it because you can do this, but also you should do it because he said you would. At what point through the auditions and you know, starting with the band, did it click in your mind that, you know, I really want to do this. I want to do this more than just an occasional. And, and we we must mention, yeah. you, you play guitar too. You play a very good guitar, by the way. Thank you. I play slide guitar a little bit. I don't play it a ton, but when, when it fits, it's just, I love, I love slide guitar. And there were initially the reason I wanted to learn it is that there were songs that I kept hearing that we wanted to cover other people's songs that had slide guitar. And then, you know, when I started writing my own stuff, you know, we add it there when it has a place. But it's, uh, I guess the, the real truth of it is that the second I did the first song during the audition and they all looked at me like, there's no way you haven't done this before. I had this feeling and it was like a whole body feeling that I was doing what I was meant to do for the first time in my entire life. I mean, I'd had, you know, careers and they, they were fine because I know how to work. So I did fine. No, no matter where I went, I worked hard, but this was something that was in me to do. It was like a calling that I was going to love. And I knew I was going to love it. If I could get over the, the, the desire to throw up every time I was in front of people, I knew I was going to be able to do it and love it. <laughs> Just being in front of people was the fear. Well, let's mention who are the other members in your band? So the original members of the end were Dan Burke on guitar, um, Rich Liner on keys. Um, we had at that time, well, Mike Ray was on um, drums. The band has changed a lot. Dan is still with us. Um, now we've got a guy named AC on keys. Um, Taylor Scott joins us on lead guitar when he can, when he's not touring. And he's my uh, producer on all the albums and he's our co-writer for the songs. Brilliant musician. Um, he's just, he's the one who kind of had gelled the whole 
concept that we should be writing our own stuff. Um, and uh, we have uh, Ed Brazil on drums. But right now during this whole kind of shutdown, we've been, when we do go out, sometimes it'll, it won't be the same band members. We're just kind of putting whoever is willing to be in a room together in a safe way, masked up, distanced. There's never an audience right now, but um, it's still, it depends on somebody's situation, whether they can be in a room, you know, if they're taking care of elderly parents or whatever their situation is. So it's, it morphs a lot right now. You mentioned uh, Taylor Scott, your producer and writer of several of your songs. You've released two albums, your self-titled album, The Cass Clayton Band, and then your most recent album called Play Nice. Talk about those two albums. Well, the first album, the, the Cass Clayton album, self-titled, um, was it, it was never going to be an album. Initially, I was just going to write a couple songs with Taylor. Taylor had, you know, come out and he played with us a, a few times and sat in with the band. And um, at, at some point he said, hey, you know, do you do you want to write a couple songs? And I said, yes. But I really didn't, I didn't think I was ready to write yet. Um, I was writing songs secretly on the side, but I didn't think that they were great writing yet and that I was saying exactly what I wanted to say in the way I wanted to say it. Um, so I said yes, but I never got back in touch with him. I didn't follow up. And so a few months went by and then we ended up at some show together again. And he asked again, do you want to write something? We really should do this. And then I said yes and started to get to work and pull together all the piles of scraps of paper and really write. And when I had the first two songs conceptualized, I took it to him and we we wrote, he composed them with me sitting there going back and forth. And we were, that first album, we were really learning about each other, how we were going to write together. And after we recorded those first two songs, he was like, we should keep doing this. That went really, really well. Those two songs are, you know, it doesn't always go like that. First two songs out of the gate. So we kept going until we had an album. The album did way better than we thought. Got such incredible feedback. And then we went to play nice. I was going to take a year and just, you know, not do any more writing, but we ended up for whatever reason, just, you know, taking a few months off and going right into another album and writing again, because the process was such, it was, it's always been a flow. Writing with Taylor Scott is for me, it's like that, especially the second album, by then we understood each other. Everybody who was working with us in the stu studio trusted each other and we could really be more experimental. And now the stuff we're doing now is just like, it's, <laughs> I don't even know what to say about what's coming out now. It's completely got a life of its own. Why do you think you and Taylor have been able to click so well in your writing? I don't know. I think that's a mystery. That's an honest answer. That's an that honest answer. It is. I, I would, I'd love to make up a great story around that, but I, don't know it, it actually I've tried to write with other people doesn't always work or it's really it's it's challenging I think there is a skill level that he has that he brings to the table you know this vocabulary that goes like 10 miles deep in multiple genres and he's he's just a great composer but I also think a big part of it is trust and I I think there's a factor that neither of us would probably be able to put our finger on the just works. Your albums both have 
received some well recognition for them. Was it surprising to you to get that recognition so quickly? Yes. <laughs> like I'm still, yeah. I mean, I was doing this because I love the whole process and I, I didn't want to sing other people's songs forever. Cause I felt like, again, a lot of those songs were written by young people about love in the way they fell in love or about, within the case of blues, about people who had gone through the hardship of being black in the South. And that was not my story. And I didn't want to, you know, be telling somebody else's story, even though I truly believe that when you're performing, you can find yourself in any song and you can, not any song, but a lot of songs, you can just completely feel them and put yourself in that other person's song. At the same time, I knew that I had something that I had to say as myself, you know, and it was really important that I learned how to do that and trust it and eventually not care what people thought of that message, you know, whether they would judge it or not. There's a lot in those stories that could be judged harshly. It's not always a pretty picture of, you know, how great my universe is. It's also the darker stuff that I've dealt with inside me that I'm not proud of. So, or that I've struggled with um, or I'm still struggling with. So is it, to sing that stuff to an audience, knowing that stuff's out there forever and ever? Yeah. I mean, I used to have a really hard time with it. And then Dan Burke, who's been, he was, was our original lead guitarist and is still with the band. He's such a, an incredible musician and a great mentor and a brother. And he took me aside one time he took me aside really after every show for a long time. We would talk either that night or the next day, you know, within a few days, he would coach me and he'd say, here's what I thought you did really well. Cause I mean, we're talking about somebody who had never sung in front of anybody, had never played an instrument. I didn't know anything about music. I just knew about other people's music. So he would say, you know, here's where you could grow. And I would, I would just soak it in like a sponge and practice and practice and practice. And then he didn't say anything for a while. And he's like, you're sounding really good. And then the final thing, one of the later, later comments, or one of, maybe one of the last comments he gave me that was a true like coaching moment was he said, you know, I feel like the one thing that you need to learn is to trust and like, just be completely vulnerable to the audience and say the thing that's really hard to say and just be yourself and not try to, you know, sugarcoat it. Just, and I started, that was the hardest thing I ever did. It was, it's, I still have to meditate before every show and just take myself within and be like, you know what, if I'm free, everybody else is free. If I say the hard thing, everybody else can say the hard thing. If I dance like a fool, everybody else can dance like a fool. And you mentioned you're meditating before a show. What is your pre-show ritual or do you have one? Well, it's probably changed because I used to drink. <laughs> but um, I recently stopped drinking kind of during this whole shutdown. I just felt like it was time to like clean up the, clean my system up. And so I quit. But um, I used to always have like a glass of wine or a drink before the show or sometimes I would. And then I would meditate 
um, either before or after that, just kind of come down because I wasn't getting drunk or anything. I was just having like taking the edge off and I would go within and close my eyes and just take a moment to get centered and create some space and openness so that anything that is supposed to come in can come through and, um, and really just pour so that I can pour out my heart in the music and give everything that people deserve when they come out to hear a show. Um, going when we go back, I feel like, you know, I always have to close my eyes and just do that before a show. I think that's a big part of it. And, you know, the band is shuffling around backstage, they're doing their thing, but we've always been more on the quiet side, you know, it's not like everybody's sitting there going, oh, but it's not, we're not just talking, 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 talking. We're talking a little bit in between things, but it's a time to get centered. People are tuning up, they're, they're playing through a song that they want to nail down. Um, you know, it's after is when the party happens. What are you working on now? Well, <laughs> loaded question. So much. I never, I mean, the first few months of this, I was like, God, this is so great to have three months just to like sleep, you know, because we hadn't, I was tired after promoting one album and then not a lot of rest promoting, you know, writing, producing, or uh, recording, and then, um, you know, promoting another album. I was tired. So the first three months, I was just like, sleeping it's like sleeping and sleeping i can't even describe i was so tired i didn't even know i was that tired and then reality hit wow we're gonna be in our houses for a long time and then i started freaking out like <laughs> um that's when i gave up drinking and started writing again i started working on the writing and working on a new album and we've really been doing that ever since we've been we're not rushed. So we've been really like not taking every song that's in conceptualized is getting to Taylor be, even to write it. And then beyond that, we have songs that we worked on for a while that we were like, eh, maybe we'll rework this one and take it in someday. And maybe we won't. We've been able to let things sit and kind of marinate. So the writing is really different. For one, a lot of inspiration in our songs has always come out of being out there with people and being inter, you know, interactive. And now it, these songs came out of reflection, so they feel different. Um, the first song that we released as a single called Make Believing is about make-believing your world. How this is a, I wrote that song because I feel like this is a shift time for that collective conscious of humanity where we get to decide, is this the world stage that we want to see? Is this okay with us? Like, what do we want? And, and make believing is about, um, you know, it starts out ever since I was a little girl, I played in the house with my dolls. They had to love one another or sit all alone on the wall. The whole world needs to think about whether we need to sit alone on a wall about, because we can say that this was created by, you know, politicians and there's this show that's going on and it's left and it's right but it is a reflection of us and they couldn't be there without us so what are we make believing that we don't like and how can we change it on the inside that's what i've learned from all of these years of meditating is that there's nothing out there everything's reflecting reflecting us and what we need to heal individually and as a collective 
That's so I, these songs come out of these deeper places of like, that was like my version of an activist song, although it's very soft and gentle because I've always liked juxt- juxtap- the juxtaposition of a tough message in a gentle form or a loving message in a rocking form, you know, like that tension is something that I think is different. One of the things I want to touch on before we run out of time is you are doing a lot of work with the Musicians Food Pantry in the Denver area. Talk about that work. How did you get involved with it and and talk about what they are doing? Because what they are doing is very, very much needed, especially in the, the arts and the music community where these individuals are not able to perform and earn a living. Right. I mean, it's been a tough time for so many people. Anybody who was a musician lost their entire career overnight and not just musicians, but restaurant workers and, you know, so many people lost everything overnight. And what, um, the way this happened, so Dazzle is a famous uh, jazz club, jazz blues. It's basically the historical American music, jazz, funk, blues, soul. That's kind of their wheelhouse. And they have been around for 23 years in Colorado. Um, we performed there a lot. And I loved Dazzle because they treat musicians so well. And there's a spectrum there. You know, some some clubs love their musicians. Some are like, get on there and get out of here. You know, like there's just that feeling that there's not a lot of love. But Dazzle was, it's a place that we all trust. You know, if if you've played there, you probably like the people there. And um, so Donald, uh, who owns Dazzle, one of the owners, came to me and said, would you like to do a blues jam on Sundays? And I said, well, what would it look like? And he kind of explained that they would live stream the, the blues jam. And as we talked about it, we, it was, it was complicated to make it work because you, we could only, at that time, you could have like 25 people in the room. There are a lot of very, very strange laws here. Um, not laws, but um, mandates. And so we decided that that wouldn't work, but what we started talking about how tough things were for the musician community and what could we do for them. And one of the things that we knew is that there were musicians who were not, you know, eating well. They weren't getting three meals a day. They couldn't pay their bills. And so we really, Donald said, well, if people aren't getting three meals a day, we need to do something. And he started this food pantry right away. And I became the host of what we call bread and jam. And um, it's a Sunday show. It started as a Sunday show. Now it's, it's um, four nights a week. It's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But every Sunday, um, Taylor Scott and I host a different band um, for Bread and Jam. And the funding goes to help support the food bank where musicians can shop um, and fill their pantries for free. And it also um, it helps to pay musicians who play on that stage. Because Dazzle, of course, isn't making any money. Venues are going under left and right. So um, I used to be a fundraiser. So, you know, Dazzle and I have been raising money so that we can pay musicians a guarantee when they play at Dazzle. So it became kind of a full-time, you know, passion and job. And frankly, a really, really good place for me to put my energy because I, um, you know, I'm not a good, I'm not a good person to sit alone and, and wait for something to happen. It makes me, I get, get terrible anxiety when I see people going through something and I can't do anything about it. So 
I, I figured no, no matter how small my role is, I have to be doing something. And there's so many other musicians now who, who are doing something. You know, there's, there's a different musician that runs each night. Um, all of us are volunteers. So there's somebody on Thursday, somebody on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And we bring in different bands. We make sure that the bands shop the pantry. Um, and we just want every musician to know that this is there because um, it's bad for our mental health not to be doing what we love. It's not good for people to lose not just revenue, but purpose overnight. It's so important for us to be having these talks. And so it's the next thing that's coming for Dazzle is um, mental health clinics, you know, where we can get together and be empowered with each other to talk about the things that are difficult. Um, there are mental health service services that we have access to for musicians. So there are layers upon layers of what we hope we can do to fill in the gaps until musicians can get back to work safely. What has been the response to this program from not only the music community, but the community, the Denver community as a whole? I mean, just, I have to say that people are really loving, you know, it, people have donated, you know, that pantry is full because people just brought goods. We were not getting stocked from an entity. We, we hope to, get under the umbrella of a larger organization eventually. But this is just all individuals donating food, dry goods, toiletries to keep that pantry a, a full store all the time. And people donating money to support the pantry and, and get musicians paid. And I have to say that before this all happened, there was kind of this thing that was happening in the music industry where people, because music is free, um, a lot of times people didn't understand that the bands don't get paid that well when they work a club. They really depend on people's generosity and tips. And we couldn't, we always felt weird about talking about it. But I think now people, everybody knows that nobody's getting paid and that people are struggling and the generosity is, it would just, it makes me cry sometimes. I mean, the, everybody has stepped up as a community. I've seen musicians who I know for a fact, that's their full-time job and they don't have any fallback and they're donating to this. And I'm like, no, donate, don't donate your $20 if you need it. But that's how everybody is. Every, everyone just wants to help. And I'm, it's been good for everyone's heart. Well, I have it uh, shown right now on the screen, the, the link to the bread and jam and also upcoming live streams that Dazzle is doing. Is this the best way that people can donate if they wish to donate is by going to this link? Or is there another uh, way that they can donate if they would like to donate to the, the food pantry? You know, that's the best way. So there are two primary ways to donate, either by going to that website to DazzleDenver.com has that bread and jam page that you posted. Um, people can make a tax deductible donation or a non-tax deductible donation, depending on what your your needs are. And then um, the other way is by donating non-perishable goods on Saturdays and Sundays, noon to six at Dazzle. And um, they're right downtown in Denver at um, 1512 Curtis Street. And they're just always trying to keep it stocked so that everybody can stop by and and, you know, by the way, just so everybody knows, like if if somebody's connected in the music 
industry. They're not a musician, but they're somehow like they're a sound person or whatever. Everybody's welcome to use this resource. Um, Even a poor DJ? <laughs> yes. Especially a DJ. Yes. We get no tips, no money, nothing. No, we're just doing it out of love, right? It's that's like, right. It's so that's, and I've always known that about you too. It's just the love of music and the love of musicians. And we're all doing just the best we can to keep our, keep our chins up. And, and uh, when this is all done, the truth is there will be less venues and the venues that survive will have left less money because they'll be, you know, have, have gone through this. So, you know, we, we see this as a long-term thing um, that we will be raising funding for to see if we can have a fund that helps organizations to stay open and musicians to keep doing what they do, it's going to look different. Well, how fearful are you that when this is over, I mean, we already know venues have shut down. I mean, it's, it's been in the news since April venue shutting down. How fearful are you that come whenever this ends, that there will be fewer and fewer venues for musicians to play at and that the venues that are around many of them may not be able to pay musicians in the beginning. Yeah. I mean, it is scary. I mean, I, I am concerned about it. I think, you know, one of the things that I've done is try to figure out what are alternative models that we could use. And I ended up going down this rabbit hole um, of our monetary system and why our monetary system has never worked for artists. And then I started thinking about it. I'm like, you know, it really hasn't worked for most people. Um, my husband was a career, you know, CEO. So I personally have this person who has created a completely different life. It's not like how most musicians live, which is why I've had the energy to focus on what's going to happen to these musicians, because I don't have to live in, in grave fear. I fear for the industry and I fear for my friends and I've been trying to figure it out. So I've been, I'm about three books deep into reading about um, the, the history of our money because it's so confusing and so guilt inducing and people feel like failures when the money system fails them. But the truth is, you know, we have a world banking cartel as I read more about it. And there's, there are experts who have created many, many, complementary currencies, you know, things like Bitcoin, Ethereum, but also really small community complementary currencies. And these communities that were going, you know, people were going broke, there were many bankruptcies. And when they developed their own complementary currency that works alongside the dollar, they were able to have a system of trade and barter that where everybody benefited and they became prosperous. And so I have hope, you know, working with people who know a lot more than I do, that we will figure out, you know, complementary, complementary monetary systems where people in the community, I think it only works on a community level where each community creates its barter system, but um, where we can be prosperous without relying on a system that was never intended to serve individuals. It was intended for the big bankers and big industry so 
when I realized that the monetary system was never made to benefit individuals and you had to get really rich before you did okay, it's just like playing Monopoly. You know, like the person with all the hotels always wins because once you get to that level, you almost can't lose. But you also can't win until you break out and it's hard to break out. Um, it's really important for people to understand the game. So part of what we're going to begin doing at Dazzle is, you know, discussions to talk about money, which is more, it's a more forbidden topic than sex. You can talk about anything weird, but you can't talk about money because it scares the hell out of people. But we need to talk about it because we need to fix it. Cass Clayton, I want to thank you very much for, uh, being on the show. Uh, the albums are Cass Clayton self-titled album and the album play nice available at, uh, most locations. Is that correct? They can buy them on your website or through the other unnamed yep. sources that I know don't do musicians very well. No, that's okay. We can always mention them. I, you know, I love that people listen to the music anywhere, whether it's Spotify or iTunes or YouTube. We just want people to hear the music and, um, you know, we, Everybody knows that we make money off of touring and merchandise sales, but we still want people to always listen to the music because the more people who hear the message and enjoy it, the that's what we're all about. So, but yeah, they can go, if they want to buy the music, they can always go to our website as well. You mentioned you've released uh, one new single. Any other singles coming out? Yes. <laughs> we have been working. Nobody's watching, so you can go ahead and say it. <laughs> Nobody's watching exactly. Um, we've got a song that, as gentle and sweet as that one, I wrote a song with Taylor that will be coming out soon called We're All Going Down. That's about, you know, just it's about our dark side as humanity, like how we get twisted in these tales and we, tr we trust people we shouldn't trust, uh, whether it's the preacher or, you know, some figure, authority figure. And it's about that. And it's kind of a, it's a, really grungy, dirty, nasty blues tune. We've never written a blues song, which is ironic. Having started as a blues band, um, we've always written soul, funk, rock, singer-songwriter stuff. And so the fact that a, a really good blues tune came out of us, we're like, oh, we, <laughs> we got to do something with this. But um, And then after that, we've just got more coming out and coming out. And hopefully we'll have a whole album coming out, you know, maybe mid to mid-year to fall but we'll continue to like single by single i think is the way to do it right now because i think musicians we've always released albums when we can tour we're not sure if it would make sense to do a release a whole album until we're touring again it seems to be kind of the quandrum for musicians right now you can't release well you can release an album but you really can't support it by going out and doing shows like you normally would pre-COVID. Yeah. So a lot of the musicians are doing that route that you just talked about of gradually releasing singles and then later on release the whole album. Absolutely. We're, um, I think that's what we're all doing right now. And I mean, it's made people really creative. Every, you know, I have friends who are creating things in their basement and their houses, you know, with musicians sending them tracks from all over the country. And it's, it's really made people creative. We are still doing it the old fashioned way, analog in a studio um, with the band masked up, but we're, we produce at somebody else's studio and it's big enough for us to be a part, but everybody's, I think this is a creative time for all, all people who have, I, I believe everybody's highly creative, whether 
they express it through, you know, what's the obvious creative stuff, you know, painting and writing and that stuff, or whether they are doing woodworking or even accounting can be creative. We're creative creatures, but when there's time and space, I think it comes out in a richer way. So, so very true. Uh, I've been posting on the uh, interview while we were going on your, your website, castclayton.com. So people can go there to learn more about you. And I want to post one more time about uh, Dazzle, uh, upcoming live streams they got coming up. Plus, if you would like to donate or help out in any way that you can, even if you don't live in the Denver or the Colorado area, but you're able to help out, uh, please check out that web address, Dazzle Denver dot com slash bread uh, slash and jam. Uh, I will post that website on the uh, stream after it streams when we uh, post it up on YouTube and Facebook. So if you can donate, please do whatever you can. Uh, Cass, great to visit with you again. It's always a pleasure to uh, speak with you and talk with you. Cannot wait to hear that uh, dirty blues song that's coming out. <laughs> I, I just cannot wait to hear that. Uh, best of luck and much success to you and to the band and, and to your uh, adventures with the music pantry, the food Thank pantry you. for the musicians. We're talking about that. We really appreciate the support and it's important to musicians right now. And I really hope that, uh, that everybody who's a musician feels free to use it and asks us, you know, like there's a need that need that's not met. We want to know about it because we want to do what we can to help. Even if we can't help personally, we are looking around and, and uh, we'll find somebody to help. It's a great cause. And I look forward to seeing how you and Daz are able to expand it to incorporate even more in helping the musicians and, and the arts community. Thank you so much. Greatly appreciate it. Till so, next time, everybody, have a great evening. Thanks. I love it.